This podcast is brought to you by GovInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within federal, state, and local government agencies. Minnesota's Democratic governor and the Republican majority in the legislature have been able to agree on a budget. And without a budget, much of Minnesota government functions cease just past midnight on Friday, July 1st. And for nearly a month, Minnesota State Chief Information Security Officer Chris Boosie has been tweeting about the pending shutdown of Minnesota government. And the story he relates on Twitter is a frustrating one. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com, and I'm pleased to bring back Chris Boosie. Welcome, Chris. Welcome, Eric. Just the threat of the shutdown seems to be having an adverse effect on state IT security. Nearly three weeks ago, you tweeted, with my layoff notice in hand, bitterly wondering how I'm going to keep a stellar security team together. A week ago, you wrote, a top security pro is leaving state government out of frustration with the looming shutdown. I wonder if policymakers even care. And yesterday, you tweeted, even if a deal unfolds, our security program has already suffered irreparable harm and has lost valuable time sounds dire. Yeah, actually, it is very dire at this point. And, uh, you know, since we started the security program, you know, roughly five years ago, we've been working so hard to build a team um, to put together, you know, a strategic and tactical plan to really drive this thing um, with the rigor that it needed um, to, to go from, you know, a state that had individual agency security operations to an enterprise-wide plan with uh, with tools and processes. The thing that's been frustrating for me is I feel like the month of June has been the, really the first time in the five years that I've been here where I felt like our program really didn't make the progress that it needed to make. We have a tactical plan where we report out every month with metrics, the progress that we've been making um, against our objectives. And we don't have a good report now for June, um, really, most of the activities have been centered around the shutdown planning. What are we going to do at this point um, to deprovision security clearances for thousands and thousands of employees and what kind of work needs to be done? So the, the, the real work of driving the strategy and the security tactics has been replaced with more of the tactical reality of trying to figure out, well, what do we do about access control and continuity of operations planning and some of these things that pertain to the shutdown. Let's talk about what would happen if a shutdown occurs. First off, how many people work in IT security in Minnesota government? Actually, I don't have a, a precise number for you. Um, you know, we have a core that's in our enterprise security group, and there's also uh, people scattered throughout all the different government agencies that perform security duties. The thing that would worry me in this particular case is that right now, when you look at the problem that government security professionals face, it's actually I think you may have reported in, in one of your tweets and stories that there's virtually a 0% unemployment rate for security professionals. When you look at us in government that are trying to compete with uh, with salaries of the private sector, which are often higher than government, things like a, a looming shutdown where people have to question whether or not they're going to have a job, how long they'll be out without a paycheck, those are the kind of things that uh, that are a strike against us, and uh, you know, in my case, I've already had one really talented guy that you know basically said, you know, I have a family and a mortgage payment, and I just can't afford this uncertainty when I don't have to. So even though they may, you know, love our program, what we're doing, and really love us as an employer, a lot of people may not be willing to to hang on and and ride this thing out because it's just not um, they just don't have the financial wherewithal to do so. 
we had an interview about two years ago where you discussed that despite some of the pay disadvantages, there was a lot of good things that attracted people to state government IT security. Yeah, that, that's correct. I think there's really we're a, it's a feel good organization where you know we're trying to do something, um, put in place a program that I think is going to by and large help society. It's going to help protect you know people's vitamin vital data to make sure that critical critical government processes are there in times of crisis. So it's very much a feel-good kind of job. fact of the matter is, um, you know, if we're going to be telling people that they may have an extended period of time when they're simply not going to get paychecks, I think a lot of the feel-good side of our story that we're trying to sell may go out the window because people have the reality that they have mortgage payments and bills to pay and, and you know, savings that they need to have for their kids to go to college someday. And uh, those are the things that worry me about the shutdown. If the shutdown occurs, will the IT security staff still be expected to work and just hope to get paid one day? No. Right now, you know, the legislature obviously funds programs in state government. Now the paradigm has uh, shifted to where the decision of what are critical services and what aren't critical services has actually moved over to the judicial branch and attorneys are trying to figure out and, and, and judges on what are critical services and trying to figure out what laws govern how states are funded when the legislature and the governor can't come together to actually make those decisions on their own. What services will be available right now is being decided by judges. The court hearings are going on right now, and they're ultimately, they'll ultimately decide whether cybersecurity um, are services that, that are valuable and need to be kept going during a crisis. We don't know whether or not security services will keep going during a shutdown or not. That's going to be something that uh, that now will be in the hands of judges. That's one of the things that's a little bit frustrating for us is knowing that, uh, that these kind of decisions that are really important are now outside of our control. They're in the hands, you know, of, in this case, it's a Ramsey County um, district judge in Minnesota. There are those who say one of the weaknesses in our government is the lack of uh, judicial understanding of the importance of IT security. Often you hear it in the terms that the law does not keep pace with the changes in technology. Is that a fear that you have? Everybody who's running a government service right now has that same fear. I think it's not just IT security. Um, there's a lot of folks wondering, how is this judge going to really understand what we do and the significance if it's not done? So it's just one judge is going to make this decision? Right now, yes, that's the way it's set up. So there's lots of different petitions before the court now with different groups that are actually trying to petition the court to see what services remain operational and which don't. What are you doing to prepare for this? Our executive team at our agency has done our best to try and figure out, well, if the court does rule that cyber security is something that's necessary, what would be the minimum skeletal staff that we would put in place and what are those services that we would keep operational in a time of crisis? Our assumption is that, you know, the planning and leadership services that we do to kind of drive the long-term agenda of our program, that those wouldn't deem be deemed life safety type of critical activities, but maybe the operational aspects that we do, such as continuous monitoring, vulnerability management, those things that critical services rely on would be necessary, but, but we really don't know how the judge will rule and whether they'll agree with our assumption of how things should play out um, if the shutdown does affect, in fact occur. We're waiting to see what happens. In the meantime, we're planning as if the minimal 
um, skeletal crew for the core operational systems will be needed, and we're trying to figure out the staffing model and how things will happen starting this Friday. IT and IT security is so complex. And while I'm listening to, I'm thinking about things such as well, there are probably a lot of state-issued uh, mobile devices out there. You know, what becomes of them, yep. and how do you manage that? Well, there's state-issued devices, there's mobile devices. You know, one of the elements in our plan right now is how are we going to control access to those environments? How do we deprovision devices and users that won't be deemed critical, but yet keep on those devices and users that will be deemed critical? And uh, and then looking at our different messaging environments, our BlackBerry environment, our Exchange environment, and trying to figure out technical plans to make this all happen the tough part about it is, you know, it, we don't know yet who's critical and who's not critical, so we're going to find this out probably at the very last minute and have to figure out how all the provisioning will happen. So it's hard for you even to plan for this? Well, we're trying to figure out general plans as to what we're going to do for each of these environments, but the problem is we don't know who the specific people are that will be here and who and will not be here. That's actually yet to be determined by the district judge. I wish you best of luck. It's an interesting scenario. I I think as as a chief security officer, if if you can navigate through these waters, I I feel like you should be able to navigate through just about anything. It's a situation that uh, I hope none of my peers have to to face. Well, thanks, Chris. Thank you very much, Eric. I've been speaking with Chris Busey, Minnesota State Chief Information Security Officer. For GovInfoSecurity.com, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by GovInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.GovInfoSecurity.com.